0: game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. Flip the page. Dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played. Maybe you've made a trade. Made list and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships. They wish they had your. So this is it. You want to learn the game. 101 pick. When it hits, you feel no pain. crane for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual
1: it's automatic dynasty it's automatic (laughs) and here are your authors
0: All right, and welcome back, everybody. And this is episode seven
1: of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. Uh, And as you just heard, those were the sweet, sweet tones of uh, Mr. Gabe Gearing. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at FFmanBun. And uh, I mean, my God, when he sent us the SoundCloud link, I think it was what, like late last week, Adam? and i heard just right, the, right. the first take of it it was almost something that was a track that i almost wanted to extend another like couple minutes and just ride in my car listening to it because i thought he did such an excellent job so if any of you guys get a chance or you ever need work in terms of you know putting together songs for your own podcast or hell just listen to him you know spit some bars for a little bit i mean that that guy can flow for you know no doubt about it so we definitely appreciate that but let's get into you know what we got Uh, our illustrious guests in here to talk about tonight so we're here with addison hayes he is the creator of ffstatistics.com and for as long as you know i've been following addison or like i've seen some of his work actually it was quite funny i've seen your work addison retweeted across my timeline so much that i didn't even know i wasn't following you until about a week and a half ago And I was like, oh, well, shit, I thought I was already following him. So this is awkward because between you and like some of the other folks that are just deep diving into metrics and statistics and doing a lot of work in analytics, I'm actually, I'm really, I'm really eager to get into tonight's conversation. So before we start to nerd out and whatnot, let's talk about the website just real quick. So ffstatistics.com, everybody go check that when you get a chance. What was your, I guess, your impetus for putting together the website?
2: Right, yeah. So first of all, thanks for having me on tonight, guys. I'm actually really excited for this podcast. I know we've been talking a lot behind the scenes and stuff and for like the past week or how long, and I've just been really excited for tonight to happen. <laughs> so thanks oh, for having yeah. me on. But yeah, so uh, basically, I think I've told this story. Uh, when it first released, I went on a podcast or two, Dynasty Dads and other podcasts like that, and uh, uh, I told the story about how the site was created and everything like that. So Basically, going back to last summer, I I started collecting all this data when I was writing for Dynasty Football Factory, and I didn't like that when I would research players, uh, I did an article last year on uh, Michael Thomas and uh, Corey Davis, and I didn't like that when I had to research other players like them to try and predict how they would do, that I had to go to like three different sites to try and find different data that I was looking for, blah, 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 and so I just wound up keeping it. Uh, in case if I needed anything like to look back on or whatnot later in the future. And then over time, I, it kind of got to become this giant database of just all these players, and I, then I just kept adding to it and adding to it. And so I eventually I was, I was researching ways to try and get this out into the community because I wanted everybody else to have a chance to see all the data that I have collected. It's nothing different than what you would find on on Pro Football Reference or anything like that, but it's just all in one centralized location. Uh, that I think made it very convenient for a lot of people who did a lot of research and stuff like I did. Um, So I'm a college student at Penn State, and I took a class that talked about doing uh, Shiny apps through R. It's a statistical software program. And the final project uh, was creating a Shiny app to be launched online uh, and everything like that. So I grabbed two other guys that were in the class. Both of them were also... Uh, very avid fancy football players and everything like that. So, you know, we had a lot of fun talking about their leagues and our leagues and my leagues and whatnot and creating this whole entire thing. And they were all for it because I already had all this data. We just had to code it. (laughs) And they were just like, yeah, sweet, easy A. And I was like, yeah, easy A plus I get this website. So that's actually how the website started was it started as a school project. I got an A for it. And (laughs) now it's, you know, the new thing in the community, I guess, uh, for the people that know about it. So that's kind of that's basically how it started and I've just continued to add to it uh since launch back in February uh and you know it's a big part of my life I love working on it.
1: Oh that's amazing man that's an amazing story and uh I've uh so and we'll get into we might tangentially get into my background later but I've been kind of interested in learning and getting into R um I'm sure that uh, you you know of or you've talked to Josh Harmsmeyer I know he's a big pusher. Yes. Of, uh, of using yep. R to put together some of his apps. So if any of you guys uh, have a chance, uh, I know he's a big proponent of it. Hashtag Never Julio. <laughs> so when it comes to the site itself, so you're talking about you know, all the data that you've put together for, you know, for a whole bunch of different players and it's this large database. So can you give us a quick idea of what folks can, can look forward to when they go to the site?
2: Right. So it's broken down into right now two different applications. The first one is the player data uh, tab on the website and basically everything that you can find there is a bunch of stuff for individualized statistics for uh, players since 2010, um, weekly data like weekly fantasy game logs, uh, consistency data based on some of the consistency work I did for Rotoballer looking at my stats like core uh, and CV and everything like that and you can read about you know what those are and how you can interpret them uh, on the website. Uh, there's also yearly data, so yearly ranks for every single player. Uh, I just recently put up redraft ADP, and you can compare that to how they finished uh, in that year. That whatever their ADP was, uh, the Z-score analysis, which I believe we'll be getting into later. So I'll tease that for now. <laughs> and so that's the player data tab, and then the other one is the database, and basically that's you know all of these, all of this database and all of these stats and everything for. All of these players back to two thousand offensive and defensive stats, Uh, and it's not just like you know how many yards and touchdowns and uh, passes attempted, completed receptions, blah blah blah. blah. It's like it's almost every single stat that you can basically think of. I have uh, red zone data. I have uh, for you know red zone data inside the twenty, inside the ten, inside the five for running backs. Uh, I have market shares for basically every single countable stat. Uh, You know, I have. A lot more than just the fantasy points and points per game and position rank i have points per touch uh you know points per target everything like that uh, so it's a really expansive database that you can you know browse through and filter and download into excel yourself uh if you wanted to play around with it even more and i know a, a lot of people especially like a guy like peter howard uh, has really loved that feature to be able to download it and uh you know have the database for yourself in excel and do what you want with uh so that's basically the two things that you're going to see on the
0: site so addison let's uh nerd out a little bit into the site i'm obsessed with uh production consistency chart i noticed since about 2010 cam newton came into the league he's been a top 12 qb 59 percent of the weeks uh russell wilson of course came in in 2012 has been a top 12 qb 53% 53% of his weeks since entering the league. How do you use these consistency charts in your player evaluation?
2: Basically this, first of all, I'd like to shout this out. This was a uh, Ryan McDowell's idea. Uh, he gave me the idea after I launched to uh, put something up like this with the total number of weeks and then the percentage number of weeks. Nice. Um, so this graph, you can also filter it by a year. Uh, so if you want to see, you know, how players have done recently versus their entire career since 2010, you can do so. Um, and so, you know, when I play around with this and see, I love finding players uh, that like are are really, really heavily one way and how that they and how they finish on a weekly basis uh, or really heavily, you know, another way. And so, you know, I was playing with around with it a little bit today and I actually found uh, a player Uh, like Larry Fitzgerald who is basically since 2015 has basically been even across the board in the percentages of weeks that he's finished as a top 12 as a 13 through 24 uh, outside the top 24 and then outside the top 36 you know he is 30% of his weeks he's in he's either a wide receiver one or a bust and then the other 40% he's you know in the 13 to 36 range Uh, and, and that's Actually, you know, that that speaks a lot to how Larry Fitzgerald plays, I think, and how he's more of a boom bust type of player now than he was, uh, you know, earlier in his career when he was playing outside and not so much in the slot. Um, And, you know, it could also contribute to quarterbacking as well. Uh, But then you compare that to a guy like Mike Evans, who 80 percent of of the time since 2015, uh, he's either been a wide receiver one. Or a bust and that's pretty much split 40 40 so 40 percent of his weeks he's wide receiver one 40 percent, he's a bust and then you know the other uh 17 is kind of in the middle there so that i mean that's just like really interesting to me that you don't think of mike evans like that he's a top five dynasty asset but you don't think of him as this guy who's either going to get you 25 points or five
0: you know uh, absolutely so they, and that's crucial. Really interesting yeah yeah exactly that is so crucial and uh roster construction, which we'll get into later, matching your floors with your ceilings. Uh, That's massive if you're looking to win a championship. So what we want to do next is just get into some practical application with what you could do on the site and how you could use it to help your team. So the three players I chose, which I realized Julio Jones was more consistent until last year, he was kind of like Mike Evans you described. We've got Julio Jones, AJ Green, and Antonio Brown, kind of the top three for the for the recent memory. So we're going to use the consistency data chart. First, could you tell us a little bit about each player that you found with your consistency data chart?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just looking straight at the graph, you'll, you notice, you know, a lot, all three of these players are kind of similar, uh, across the board. Uh, what's actually interesting is that Antonio Brown has had the highest percentage of bust games than the other two, which you might not think of, uh, with a guy like Julio Jones, who has seemed more boom busty than Antonio Brown interesting um, but Julio has also had the highest percentage of wide receiver one finishes uh you know which is it's actually like really interesting but it's weird to see like you said Julio has been you know consistently you know across the whole entire spectrum here you know he's finished as a wide receiver one wide receiver two wide receiver three or a bust you know relatively the same amount of times uh a guy like Antonio Brown however you know, over 50% of his weeks, he's a top 24 asset, which is why arguably he's, you know, the wide receiver one in redraft and a top three in dynasty, everything like that. And he busts 30% of the time, uh, you know, which might just have some big bend factors or whatever. Uh, But then you look at a guy like AJ Green, who is also, you know, pretty, pretty consistent across the board, 33% of his weeks are a wide receiver one and then 25% of his weeks he's a bust and then another 28% of his weeks he's a wide receiver two uh so that just shows me right there when you compare the three of them that A.J. Green should be up in this category of players when you can when you're looking at guys like Antonio Brown and Julio Jones but he's never been respected as such and I'm a huge A.J. Green fan and maybe this is just some bias coming out of me right now <laughs> but um
1: oh no I live know, in Ohio it's all right I'm an A.J. Green fan myself go.
2: There we go. So, yeah, so, you know, AJ Green has never gotten the respect that he should have. Maybe it's because of injury or everything like that. But Or Andy Dalton. Or Andy Dalton. Yes. That's another one, too. <laughs> but, you know, I just saw Ryan McDowell just posted uh, the top 24 uh, ADP for May, and AJ Green is barely in the second round. Like, he's outside the top
0: 20 in ADP right now. I grabbed and, him in the third in a Superflex league, actually. Julio in the second and uh, AJ at the end of the third. That's insane. Yeah, that's, abso- that's insane. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: and people are all like, yo, he's going to die, whatnot. You know, he's turning 30, everything like that. And, you know, nothing to me has suggested that. And even with his history with Andy Dalton, um, you know, he's still 50% of his weeks, over 50%, nearly 60, uh, he's been a top 24 wide receiver uh, on a weekly basis. And he has the lowest bust rate of these three wide receivers. And so, you know, I I just think AJ Green is underrated and doesn't get enough respect. Uh, And this graph actually
0: really shows that uh, and paints a nice picture for it when you're looking at it. Absolutely. And um, just a quick AJ Green plug. I really wish I could remember who put this out, but uh, they listed a few hamstring players last year. So Mariota, AJ Green struggled with the hamstring, Corey Davis to name a few as by lows because, uh, if you've had a pulled hamstring, which I have, you know you you might be able to play football at the time, but you're not playing full speed at the time. So AJ Green and Corey Davis are are huge buy lows right now because the production that they had last season, and you saw Corey Davis come on a little bit last year, especially towards the end, uh, because he was healing from that torn hamstring. So just a quick little plug on something you might want to look into. Um, but we're actually going to use Mike Evans here because you listed Mike Evans as kind of an up or down guy. And we're going to put Mike Evans against A.J. Green since we just listed A.J. Green as a a very, fairly consistent top 24 asset. So when you have Mike Evans as your wide receiver one and you're looking for that wide receiver two and wide receiver three, what kind of guys are you putting into consideration as opposed to if you have Antonio Brown um, looking into your wide receiver two and wide receiver three?
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, and, that, you know, that's a that's a fantastic question, because I think it's two completely separate approaches with, you know, how you need to structure your lineup so that you're not, you know, you have the the boom weeks, but you're not killing yourself. If one of these players uh, decides to put up a goose egg for you, uh, you know, more times than not, uh, we've said that Mike Evans is going to have more bus weeks than A.J. Green. Uh, So that's telling me right there that you're going to need a a way more consistent wide receiver too to be able to, uh, mitigate those bust weeks that Mike Evans puts up. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of guys like you're not going to be able to get them, but uh, you know, like a Michael Thomas wide receiver too. For sure. If if you, if you're, especially for redrafts, if you get them at the corner, you know, at the, at the end of the first, early the second, somebody like that. Um, I would have said Jarvis Landry, Miami Jarvis Landry. I'm not sure how are going to do. Um, but you know, you know Demarius Thomas, uh, Golden Tate, I'm like guys like that who are the PPR machines, exactly. who are very consistent on a weekly basis. Who you're gonna you're knowing that they're gonna go in and scoring ten to fifteen, if not more, if they score a touchdown, uh, you know, every single week. And if Mike yeah. Evans decides to put up a five or six game, then you're not your entire lineup's not going to be killed uh, just because your wide receiver one decided not to show up. You know, on the flip side, then you have Antonio Brown, who's much more consistent. And he has that boom capability to win you a week with a 35-point week uh, on basically any given week, you know, whenever the Steelers' offense decides to take off. Uh, so with a player like that, you can, you can slide a lot more on getting a wide receiver, too, and getting a guy who's a little bit more boom-bust, who you know uh, is going to put up some dud weeks. You know, that's just the nature of how those players work. But Antonio Brown's going to be able to mitigate that, and he's going to work as, like, a receiver and a half some weeks uh so with that i'm thinking of guys you know like marvin jones or josh gordon or uh you know amari cooper maybe this year uh Absolutely. who's been inconsistent but you know has
0: that capability to also put up a 30 point week 44 uh, even
2: yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly so, so those are the players that i'm looking for
0: what we're looking at here is called pairing high floor low ceiling with high ceiling low floors and vice versa so A quick example that I thought of before we lead into the next segment was if you've got a very consistent AJ Green, then you're looking at being able to pair him with players like maybe Sammy Watkins and Will Fuller, um, who was actually very consistent in his two catches, 70 yards, and a touchdown. But at some point, that's got to slow down. And then if I've got Mike Evans, the guys I'm looking for is more like a wide receiver, too, like Jarvis Landry, who I've still got faith with in Cleveland. Or even Cooper Cup as well, because he's got probably one of the most solid wide receiver floor that you'll see. So that's something you got to look at. You can't exactly just take the best player on the board when you start get to those later rounds, because you've got to start thinking of roster construction.
1: And I think <laughs> that's an important conversation, or at least an important tip for I think a lot of both uh, dynasty owners. And now since it's the like the quote unquote off season. Uh, you know, folks getting into best ball leagues, redraft is a lot of websites now putting out mock drafts, uh, looking at pairing wide receivers or looking at your full roster. Like once you've completed your draft is something that a lot of, a lot of drafters and a lot of owners are going to have to take into consideration. So looking at that and looking at those metrics, I think is very important uh, You know, when it comes to looking at a uh, roster construction. So now Addison, I've got a quick question for you, man. So why do you, do you hate your mentions? I know that, I mean, and especially, I know you're a pit guy, but I'm looking at, you know, I'm list, I've am i listened to your Christian McCaffrey breakdown over on ffstatistics.com, and at the two-minute, 33-second uh, mark, I'm hearing you say that you think that uh, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is better than Le'Veon Bell. Is that what I'm hearing? Am I hearing that correctly? Timestamp stamp it.
2: That's impressive. I like it. I like it.
1: I mean, I had no. I, mean, I had to make sure that my, my facts were in order before I brought this before you because you're a pit <laughs> guy, but yet you're right. telling me that Christian McCaffrey is better than Le'Veon Bell. I mean, please, please explain.
2: I don't think I said he's better than Le'Veon. I think I said I put him up in that echelon of tier should Christian McCaffrey see the volume that I projected that he would. Oh, and then okay. of course okay. the the Panthers went and signed uh, C J Anderson. You know, three days after I put that video out, of course. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, of course. You know?
2: so, yeah. yeah, ruining everything. But no, that's that was all I was going for. Christian McCaffrey. Uh, if you go and watch the video, I had him statted out for two hundred and I believe twenty something attempts uh, on top of the seventy to eighty receptions that you know he's probably going to see, like he did last year again in two thousand and eighteen. Uh, Putting him in that 300-touch area, uh, and I had him statted out, uh, and he would have finished as the RB4 uh, in 2017 with the stats that I had him projected for in 2018. Um, I don't think he quite hits that now with C.J. Anderson there uh, taking some of those carries, but that was still... I only gave Christian McCaffrey, I believe, 50%, if if not even 50% of Johnson Stewart's carries last year. So that split could be a lot more even this year, uh, between McCaffrey and CJ Anderson than what it was last year between McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart. Um, elevating, you know, uh Christian McCaffrey's ceiling as well. Uh so I so I think he's he's just as solid uh of a of an R B one as a lot of the other guys at the back end of the of the R B one list, you know, like Leonard Fournette or if Kareem Hunt takes a little bit of a dip or whatnot, everything mm-hmm. like that. You know, all those guys that you can throw in that Melvin tier.
1: Gordon.
2: Right, right, exactly. And uh, so I just thought that, you know, if he gets that volume, he is a very when – I, when I watched him in college and I watched his tape, I comped him to Le'Veon Bell with just the way that he moves and the way that he's able to avoid uh, tacklers and, you know, never take that big hit and always falls forward for that extra two yards just using his body length. And uh, the way that he moved in the backfield uh, whenever he got the ball to run in between the tackles and his route running, everything like that, he has that Le'Veon Bell ability uh, that a lot of people saw in Joe Mixon. I saw in Christian McCaffrey. And if the Panthers ever give him that volume, I definitely do believe that he could be, you know, what Le'Veon Bell is doing right now.
1: All right, so I'll I'll retract my hot take <laughs> then, and uh, you know I'll I'll let you pass with that. But uh, when you did make the comparison, or when you kind of when you placed him, you know at least in that same tier as Le'Veon, so that was based off of at least uh, the metric that you've been using or what I've been seeing on your website uh, called the Z score. Mm-hmm. And I think with Christian McCaffrey, you had him at like was it one point eight Z score somewhere somewhere in that area. I thought would I be had for so. Christian. Yep. Right. So. Now, me personally, uh, I'm, I'm an engineer by trade, and I remember my stats classes, at least to some degree. And if I'm not mistaken, so Z-score, I mean, you have to walk me through it a little bit because I'm remembering, I mean, so the components to it, you're talking about average, you're talking about, you know, a, a singular value. I think standard deviation goes in there as well if you're looking at the formula for Z-score. So how are you using something that I hated learning in school <laughs> for fantasy football. I mean, we were talking before the cast started, and I'm, I'm sitting there having to try and reconcile the fact that something that I hated learning about in school is now something that is actually now becoming much more interesting. So maybe, actually, I'm, you know, if I ever teach stats again, because I do uh, adjunct for a local community college, I might reference some of your work and say that, hey, you know, if you guys, you know, get the hang of this, you might have a you know, side hustle available for you in fantasy <laughs> football. But can you walk us through Z-Score and like, you know, how you use it for fantasy football?
2: Right. So actually, you know, if we're talking about the Z-Score data that's on FF Statistics, I have to give a shout out to Tyler Gee. He's one of the hosts for the, the fantasy franchise pod, F3 pod on Twitter. Uh, he's the one who actually came to me. He presented me with this data and this idea of using Z-Score uh, for fantasy football and, you know, we had a phone call the one night and he was showing me all of this stuff and I'm just looking at it and I'm like, all right, all right. Yeah, you know, like I see your idea. I see what I'm where you're going with the, you know, let me see what I can do. I'll I'll do some things in Excel and, uh, you know, figure out everything that you're maybe maybe there is something here. And, uh, you know, I did it that night and the next morning, I think I messaged Tyler. I was like, yo <laughs> I was like, this stuff has some serious applications that I think that could be very well utilized in fantasy football. And he was all excited and I was super excited. He's like, so you're going to put it on the site. I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely putting it on the site. <laughs> and, uh, so I've been trying to use it a lot more because I don't think, you know, a lot of people would really understand what the Z score is. Uh, so I've been trying to use it a lot more in player evaluations and understanding how players, uh, performed in, you know, in their past, uh, production and everything like that to try and help predict how they're going to do in the future. And so, Basically, what the Z-score is, is when you look at a sample, a data set, uh, you find the average of it, right, which is pretty easy. And then uh, you get the standard deviation. And all the Z-score is, is it tells you how many standard deviations away from the average that one point is, right? So you brought up Christian McCaffrey was a 1.8. So he's 1.8 standard deviations higher than the average running back was in 2017, and of course, that value could be negative. You know, he could be 1.8 times less, like worse than the average mm-hmm. running back was in 2017. So I did it, it's done by year, by position. And so that's, you know, how you compare Christian McCaffrey's 1.8 with the rest of the 2017 RB class. And doing all of that, you know, I was able to create career arcs for every single position. Uh, it's re- actually really amazing stuff that if you go in and just look at the career arcs, uh, you'll see, you know, the thought is that they take about four years and they peak around 26, 27 years old and, uh, everybody kind of dies off at like 30, 31 quarterbacks have a much longer lifespan, obviously, but they'll die around 34, 35, uh, with the exception of, you know, the elite guys. And, you know, it's, it's actually really interesting stuff. So I've been trying to use the Z score in a way that people will understand and recognize what I'm trying to do and do with you know the player production and everything like that so when i used it with christian McCaffrey, and i again used it with jared mckinnon i was able to show other comps with, well especially with jared mckinnon i was able to show another comp for him where a player came from you know almost no production in his first three seasons to all of a sudden rb1 production you know because that was a question you know why why did he never do this before when he was just him and matt agiata why didn't he take the reins and do all that and you know Sometimes players take time and a 26 year old running back, uh, you know, starting his peak isn't uncommon. Uh, You know, Mark Ingram did it. That was the comp. So it's just it's just ways for us to understand how a player uh, is doing in comparison to the rest of his position uh, every single year and looking at how we can project his career path down in the future by using the Z
1: score. That's an interesting, I mean, way to go about using that stat, and I mean, definitely something that I would have never thought of. Because again, like <laughs> I said, when it comes to statistics, I mean, it's like, all right, give me, uh, you know, like, give me average, uh, you know, standard deviation, you know, I can work with that, I can understand it. And z-score, I think, is the next level application of statistics where you can start to compare it. So as you mentioned beforehand, so you take by position, you do it year by year, and mm-hmm. that's how you take a look at each player throughout their, I guess, their career arc. Is that is that what you're saying? Yep,
2: correct. So actually today I just added in, uh, I took the sample of every single running back and wide receiver who ever finished at least one season as a RB1 or a wide receiver one, and I plotted out, you know, how they got there, when they got there, when their peak was, did running backs start early, uh, did wide receivers kind of take three to four years, uh, everything like that. So you can actually view that on FF statistics. Uh, on the Z-score uh, tab, in the player data tab, uh, and view the career arcs for players who eventually become, you know, a top 12 uh, finisher at their position in a single season.
1: Very interesting. So just uh, off the top of my head, off the cuff, who is like your best and worst graded players that you can think of?
2: Man, <laughs> you mean like worst graded like ever? You, you know, that's that's also just based on how they perform in season, right? So you right. could, I could cheat and I could say the worst graded quarterback I've ever graded was the backup for Seattle who played one game <laughs> or, <laughs> or uh, you know, I could cheat and say um, a guy like Nathan Peterman was the worst oh, uh, quarterback God. I've ever graded. Oh, <laughs> uh, that Chargers
1: game was probably not, that probably didn't help his, uh, help his story all that much.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know... If we're talking about the best on uh, the best of the best, I remember actually tweeting this out was uh, Antonio Brown. If you look at Antonio Brown's z score, it is absolutely insane what he's been able to do, and he's been at the top of his game and basically the top of the z score list for four years now. And even you know five years ago when he was 25, uh, you know he was still in that upper ech- echelon at a two and a half z score. Which usually, you know, anything above two is great.
1: Right. Uh, Anything
2: above three, you know, is absolutely like insane. Uh And um, I believe DeAndre Hopkins was like a 3.3 last year.
0: Wow. Uh, Oh my goodness. Todd (laughs) Gurley,
2: you know, was up there as well. He might have been over a four, actually. Uh, But guys like that, Gronk, uh, you know, in his dominant, dominant
0: years are absolutely insane. Anything on DJ from his 20 touchdown season? I just wonder if. Curly was over four. I wonder DJ, what DJ pulled up. DJ
1: was over
2: four. He actually has the highest graded z-score for a 25-year-old since 2000. That's that what I'm talking sense. about.
1: That absolutely makes sense.
2: Right. Yeah. So it it's absolutely insane what some of these players have been able to do, um, and it it shows you even more too because we're talking standard deviations here. It shows you you know when when a player is that high, you know how much of an effect and a difference maker that they were, you know, on that season for any owner who had him, right? Because, you know, if you were the David Johnson owner, you went into every single week, you're, like, confident that you're going to come out here with a win. But if you were playing DJ in 2016, playing against him, you're, like,
1: I'll just crap, off. you know, like, yeah, just you know, I might off. as
2: well just call, it, just call it a week. Hope that none of your players use up one of their good weeks or whatever, you know, whatever juju that you're trying to do with your fantasy team. And uh, you're just like, you know, might as well just call it a day. I'll hope all my players just bust, and then next week they'll all come out on fire or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just, I, that's another application for Z-Score is just showing, you know, how how big of a monster some of these players actually were and how monstrous some of their seasons were.
1: Right, because I know we'll take a look at, I mean, you can go to Pro Football Reference and, you yeah, know, you could pull up Antonio Brown's, you know, yardage or – Yards per reception or any other stats and or even like QB metrics, uh, adjusted yards per attempt or any of those things to try and justify your bias or how much you appreciate, you know, how great some of those players are. But I think Z score, I think, kind of boils it down and allows you to quickly compare it across the entire positional list in a way that's just just, you know, simple number right there. How much greater they are versus the rest of the folks that are doing you know s- similar jobs to them. So mm-hmm. highly recommend folks going and taking a look at that. Uh, So kind of uh, reversing uh, or going back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier in terms of roster construction, when it comes to, you know, we were talking about wide receiver pairings you know if we were talking about like pairing uh you know will fuller and antonio brown or with julio jones or whomever i mean how do you value consistency because i know that's something of a hot topic when it comes to dynasty owners like we're looking if we're looking at owning these players year over year and acquiring them for long periods of time how do you value consistency versus some of those players that will give you you know some of those huge blow-up weeks and then the next week you have to you know kind of bear you know you know kind of batting down the hatches when it comes to the you know, some of their four weeks so how do you value those two things when it comes to those types of players
2: right right so first of all when when i'm talking consistency here and when what i value i'm looking at this on a weekly basis like you said um i know the big thing when was that last season was the big thing was look how consistent ty hilton is on a yearly basis this guy's an 1100 1200 yard uh receiver you know. and it's just he's just so consistent on a yearly basis why is he so underrated but then you look at his rank and he's only been before 2016 he was only a wide receiver one once before uh and he was actually wide receiver 11 or 12 that year uh so then he had that blow up wide receiver five year and everybody loved him oh this dude was so undervalued why did we not pay attention to this before um so in that way i kind of i kind of shy away from end of year finish because even that doesn't doesn't tell the full story i like looking at it from a weekly basis. Um, so in a vacuum, uh, I prefer the consistent guys over the boom bust guys, just because that they're a lot more predictable. And I like knowing, you know, that this guy is going to get me at least like eight, nine points or whatever. But then another guy, you're like sitting there, you're sweating it out. You might be watching the game. You're like, you know, they're throwing to Brandon cooks and you're, he's not catching it. You're like, Oh my gosh, you know, he only has one cash for 11 yards. You know, if I could I just need him to hit on this one. You know, I'm sure every single owner has a story like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me in a vacuum, I take the consistent guys. But, you know, every every player has its strength uh, in in different ways. And so, you know, you need the upside guys, uh, you know, in certain situations. But then you also need the consistent guys. uh, And it just depends on a lot of different situations, especially on a weekly basis, uh, which one that you need. Uh, if, you know, if you're going up against a tougher opponent or if you have two, uh, consistent guys, um, you know, as your wide receiver one wide receiver two, and you're in a three wide receiver league, then you might want to throw in, you know, a D Jack or a Sammy Watkins type guy, maybe help you, you know, blow the top off of your score and help you lift, uh, you know, your score up over the opponent or, you know, on, you can do that vice versa as well with the consistent guys. If you have a lot of Martavis, Bryant's or Sammy Watkins or Brandon cooks or Doug Baldwin's on your team. Um, but in a vacuum, I prefer the consistent guys. Uh, but, you know, I, re- I recognize that a lot of people don't really understand why there are consistent versus inconsistent because they look at the end-of-year totals. And, well, Brandon Cooks has been a wide receiver one, uh, you know, two straight years with the Saints, and then he was wide receiver 15 with the Patriots. So, you know, obviously he's going to go to L.A., and he's going to be fantastic. And I'm just like, well, you know, you're looking at it on a weekly basis. He's not really helping you out that much. Uh, so that's how I look at it.
0: I like to look at the inconsistent guys more of a luxury roster spots in, in a way because you do have those teams where you have had A.B. for the last four years and you also happen to draft Michael Thomas, who was a little bit older and was able to hit the ground running. So if you're starting A.B. and Michael Thomas in a three-wide receiver league, you should have no problem fitting Kenny Stills in there in a good week or um, in DFS last year. I know I hit big one J.J. Nelson one week. So things like that allow you to take that third wide receiver slot and really play with it if you can get um, some solid top-end wide receivers in those first two spots. But I'm 100% with you. I'm, I'm going to look for the consistency first. Um, if I can get a well-rounded team, I know I'm at least going to press for the playoffs. But then, yeah, you're going to have to start messing with that third spot when you get up against those good teams. But I would also like to add before we move on into the Christian McCaffrey discussion, I just made a trade, carry uh, on Johnson, a 19 first and a 21st for Christian McCaffrey. And I thought that I was reasonably high on him. I mean, I knew he was a PPR machine, um, but initial, my initial thought to the trade was there's no way I'm giving up three firsts. Or, you know, I got carry on 201, but I also had that 12 pick. So he could have been in the first. But I threw the trade around to some guys and I was like kinda of doing my due diligence, but hey, I don't think this is worth it at all. And I got some guys saying I gave up four first or I gave up this and I gave up that and I thought, Wow. So I went back and watched your video and uh I actually I'm not upset about it. I do like carry on, but uh he could be awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm not really worried about CJ Anderson either because yeah, C.J. Anderson might get that work inside the five, um, but Cameron Artis Payne was going to get that anyways or or somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. So he was going to get vultured anyways. I'm not really worried about that. That's not where his consistency comes in. His consistency is on those wheel routes inside the 10 that we watch on sound effects. Um, so he right. he's not taking any drop of C.J. Anderson. Actually, I kind of like uh, C.J. Anderson to come in and help him out a little bit.
2: Right, yeah, he can help him, you know, stay healthy through a sixteen-game schedule and everything like that. And you know, honestly, if we're if we're talking about C.J. Anderson, Cam Newton hurts C.J. Anderson because oh, yeah. he's uh-huh. he more of their goal line back. Uh, so that was never going to be Christian McCaffrey's, you know, thing anyway. Absolutely. So with C.J. Anderson coming in, he's he's going to take some carries away from him, sure. Uh, but you know, even if McCaffrey maintains the inefficient running that he showed us last year with his three point whatever yards per carry you know that was never going to be his thing anyway but the volume was just there Mm -hmm. and um you know i think he'll be utilized more in between the 20s and then you know when they get to like the eight nine seven yard line McCaffrey will still be in there i think just because he allows that versatility uh whereas if they plug in cj anderson you you know that the the defense is going to know they're probably going to try and you know, just maybe run the ball, but with C.J. Anderson, that's another man that the defense has to cover. So,
0: and we'll see how D.J. Moore pans out in the target order. Um, I don't think Cam was too confident targeting Funches. I would like to look at the numbers on that, but um, I, I think that. CMC was the first look on any given situation inside the 20. So I'd like to see how DJ affects that. I'd be more worried about DJ more than I am about CJ Anderson coming in just because Christian McCaffrey was that number one target that uh, that's made him such a valuable asset. But to move on, I'd like to talk about another pass catching back. <laughs> Little jab there. Um, <laughs> discussion on Jarek McKinnon. I watched your Jarek McKinnon video and uh, I love the projection portion. I don't necessarily agree with that, but we'll get into it. I'd love to have you break down that uh, 2018 projections from your YouTube video.
2: Right, yeah. So um, what's actually funny about this is I went back and looked at this uh, today, looked at my projections, everything, uh, after you sent the doc to me, and uh, I realized I was too low on Jarek McKinnon.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs>
2: yeah yeah so I only had him projected for uh what was it like 170 carries or something like that 190 carries and you know I went back and I looked at it more and you know when I'm doing these projections I'm looking at uh you know primarily market shares in a Kyle Shanahan offense and some of the some of what Jarrett McKinnon has done uh comes into effect but not so much when I'm talking volume uh you know Jarrett McKinnon's previous numbers are going to come into effect when we're talking about things like maybe yards or uh, touchdown percentage, uh, you know, trying just trying to predict, uh, some of those things that are a little bit more unpredictable, you know, how has he done in, in the past with some of those things? Uh, but in terms of volume, uh, I actually, I, I, restatted him out, uh, and gave him 223 carries, <laughs> which, which wow. might sound absolutely insane. Uh, but it, it's to, if, if you look at the numbers, OK, uh, in the past three seasons uh, with under Kyle Shanahan, two seasons with Devontae Freeman, one season with Carlos Hyde, uh, he Kyle Shanahan has given his uh, primary running back at least 55 percent uh, of the carries uh, for the team. And the highest was Devontae Freeman at 62.86. Uh, and so I'm projecting that they're going to throw a little bit more uh, uh, this year. Uh, Than what they did last year, even though they split up the three, you know, the, all the pass attempts between the three quarterbacks and Jimmy Garoppolo at the end. Um, but if I'm projecting how that they're going to d- divvy up the carries, I'm projecting a, I believe a 60% rushing attempt market share for Jarrett McKinnon, which puts him at 223 carries. Um, he's still inefficient. I still have him at below a four yards per carry, uh, so he's not a thousand yard rusher. Uh, but, you know, it's the it's also the work that he does uh, in the passing game. And, you know, looking at how Kyle Shanahan divvies up his passing, uh, usually almost almost like 25 percent goes to all of the running backs, you know, be, between however many running backs Kyle Shanahan utilizes. Uh, so I gave McKinnon 14 percent of that uh, just based on how he's utilized Devontae Freeman and how he used utilized Carlos Hyde last year, you know, and. I think that's the biggest tale for Jared McKinnon is how Carlos Hyde was utilized last year, and he's not known for being a pass-catching running back, but Shanahan didn't care, and he gave him 50-something uh, receptions, and so now we bring in Jarek McKinnon, who is a pass-catching specialist, and now, you know, the potential is just through the roof, and John Lynch was talking him up uh, today or yesterday, whenever that was. And now everybody's, like, going crazy for Jarrett McKinnon. I'm still cautioning it. I don't think he's top five, top six. Uh, but restatting him out, I had him. Uh, he would have been the PPR RB8 last year uh, using my uh, projections that I have for him. So, you know, I still think he's a, a an RB1. Uh, I don't think he hits the ceiling that a lot of people might think he does. Uh, you know, but I still, I really do like him for 2018.
0: Now, I'd like to start my rebuttal by letting everyone know you should never back yourself into a corner on any player. Uh, Every player has their value, and you should never be in a position where you hate somebody. So I want to lead off with I don't hate Jarek McKinnon because every single player, unless they're on the waiver wire for a good reason, can bring value to your team. My my problem with Jarek McKinnon, and I like him on tape, is – he's had the opportunity to start a few times. And I really liked your point, Addison, about the fact that sometimes running backs do come out at 25, 26, 27. And I hear you on that. He came in young, um, 22, 23, 24. Now he's 25. Um, He's only had, though, a high of 159 rush yards. So we're talking roughly 60 more attempts. And uh, in our discussion, we found that, you're a little lower on Matt Brader than me. I, I think he'll do a little something, but probably not too much. Now, the thing that does help me, though, is he did have 51 reception last year, and that was working with Latavius Murray, who they really did bring in to be a starter until Dalvin Cook fell. So, yeah, it's uh, Latavius Murray, but they saw a lot in him, and they did envision a backfield where Latavius Murray was leading the charge. So good on him for getting 51 receptions. Um, splitting carries with Latavius Murray but the last point to my argument I really just have a question I want to know um, we talked a lot about what Jimmy GQ is going to do throwing the ball and what Shanahan's done in the past can you just tell me a little bit about what you consider when you bring just the player himself into projections so just talking Jarek McKinnon what exactly are you looking at to make these uh, projections
2: Right, yeah, and you know, sometimes it's it's really hard to just look at the player himself when you're doing projections because there's so many other factors that go into this. But I do I do hear everything that you everything that you just said and I understand all the concerns, you know, he's he's only ever had 159 carries before, he's never been efficient, blah 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 like that, but you know, he's always been this pass catching guy. And when when you look at someone like that it, it is really hard f- for you to be confident in a player, uh, you know, who's never had the volume before and has never been, has never done well with the volume before and not never even beat out Matt Aggiata. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's where I brought up why, you know, Mark Ingram was kind of the same way and kind of blossomed late. Uh, but l- when you're looking at just from the player standpoint, uh, you know, you, you really just have to see, you know, are, are they capable of you know the volume or whatever that you are maybe projecting them to receive uh you know based on all the outside factors like Shanahan's offense and everything like that uh and if they are and if you do believe that you know sometimes you have to look at their their bmi their height their weight you know uh maybe what they did in college uh, everything like that you know so when you look at a player like Jarrett McKinnon uh you know he he has shown before that he you know, has been able to take uh, you know, a decent amount of workload and everything like that. I'm not exactly sure on what his college stats uh were or everything, but you know, he, he was a spark uh freak and he is the same size basically as Devontae Freeman, uh, you know, a former Kyle Shanahan running back. So, you know, he I believe that he has the ability to receive the workload and I never want to just say, you know, oh well he can't, uh, but he's never shown that before. Uh you know, I, I don't. I don't like to do that, and I don't like to assume that a player is not going to be able to, to uh, withstand a 16 game schedule at the volume that he's receiving. Uh, just because there's no really, there's no evidence really to back that up. It's just kind of speculation. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of other factors that go into uh, a player projection and everything like that. But I do believe that when you're looking when you're looking at a player and projecting him, when you're looking at just him. You do you do have to look at his history and what he's done before. That's why I said with his yards per carry and his touchdown rate and everything like that. Uh but you know, there's so many other factors that you it's it's kind of impossible just to look at the player himself. But you can go back to college or everything like that if it's applicable. Uh not, you know, different than a guy like let's assume that Shady McCoy was in this situation and he never performed performed up until now. You know, I wouldn't really go back to college because that was, you know, ten years ago for him but with a guy like jared mckinnon that's still somewhat applicable maybe he just had a bad coaching tenure or whatever you could say that four or five years whatever um so i you know it's hard for me to just look at it from a player basis because there's so many other factors that go into it
0: i do enjoy the mark ingram comparison as well because mark ingram in those early years was sharing the backfield with pierre thomas uh i believe kyrie robinson had a little bit of time there where he was running the rock and um he did break out kind of In a similar way and very similar age, judging by your uh, metrics. So, I do get that one. I don't like the Devonta Freeman one, and I don't think you're making the comparison anywhere past size, but just Devonta Freeman is such an electric athlete, as well as Tevin Coleman. So, there was a lot of production to be had in that uh, Falcons offense because the two players back there were just so electric. I mean, think about how good Devonta Freeman is and Tevin Coleman actually beat him out for the position at one point um, before he got injured and then lost it. And then it turned into two person backfield, which I was very surprised to hear the percentage. I think you said 63% is the share that Devonta Freeman got.
2: Yeah, that was the highest Mm -hmm.
0: that, that is very surprising to me. I would expect Tevin Coleman would have been involved more from a statistical standpoint, but I'd imagine a lot of his efforts came in the passing game. The last thing I'd like to talk to you about is when you make these projections, are you taking into consideration injury history at all for any of these players? Maybe not specifically Jarek McKinnon, but um, is that something that you might like look at if a player hasn't um, made it through 16 games before?
2: It's something that you have to consider, right? You know, because everybody knows that Jordan Reed's going to get hurt. (laughs) You know, it's just a matter of when. Right. Um, Yes. But uh, I think if you you look at projections – in the light that you know they're eventually going to get hurt you can't predict when they're going to get hurt uh that's the thing like a lot of people might have said that about keenan Allen last year but then he went on to play 16 games was Which a top three wide receiver exactly yeah i hate i hate the keenan Allen thing as well yep. but you know people do that and people weigh that into their projections well he's never gonna you know he's never gonna play a full 16 but you can do that with so- certain guys like jordan reed um but no i never weigh in uh a player's injury history uh, to the point where it gets in the way of my projections. I, if a player has an injury history like that, I will stat him out for a full 16 games. And then I will break down uh, you know, what his points per game would be uh, from the 16-game pace. And then maybe then that's when you allot, okay, well, Jordan Reed's going to play about 10 games Uh, Eight of them are going to be, you know, 90% and the other two are going to be whatever. So if you use that in that way, then you can project on a points per game basis, then project how many games that they're going to play, which is still really, really hard to do because, you know, it's impossible. Keenan Allen was the example again. Um, So, but I think that's the way that you factor an injury history into a player's projections is you stat them out for the full 16, then look at it from a per game sample and then um, try and go from there to estimate how many games that they're going to play and play healthy and uh, perform at that, at you know, the projection level that you gave them.
1: That's amazing, uh, and I think that's something that we would have to take into consideration, because like you just said, it's hard to say that, one, projections in and of themselves are, are something that's a kind of a tough mental exercise, you know, calculations to run through, but then on mm-hmm. top of that to say, well, if they're going to play 16 games... Well, they might not play 16 games, so it's going to change. You know, by X percentage based off of prior injury history, something like that. It's kind of a, I would say, it's kind of a hard target to hit uh, if you want to do. If you want to factor that in, but it is something that for owners to be cognizant of, because yeah, like in the extreme case that we're we're talking about, when it comes to Jordan Reed, it, yeah, the likelihood. I mean, we're playing probabilities here. The likelihood of him playing a full 16 games is what. Uh, less than 10% chance of him doing that. So, I mean, it's something that while we do understand his upside when he's on the field, know that it's just for a shorter time span, or most likely, again, if we're looking at the all, the all likelihood of that happening. Uh, so kind of wrapping up for tonight, uh, we've talked about some players that, that uh, you featured on your site. We've talked about uh, the Z score, you know, a metric that you've been using to kind of look at the players themselves also on the site. Uh, for new Dynasty owners or even you know, veteran Dynasty owners, is there any other content that's currently on the site? Or could you talk to us about some plans that you have for new content that you'll be releasing on the site that we should be looking out for?
2: Right. Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm st- what I'm trying to do, especially with these YouTube videos that you guys have been mentioning, is I'm trying to bring awareness to a lot of the different features that are on the site. And so, you know, I love this question. I hope a lot of people are, are uh, you know, able to to listen and utilize some of the things that are on the site that a lot of people might not be aware of. Um, the first one that I want to mention uh, is actually in the database tab, and it's these custom fantasy charts. And I have one for the offense and the um, the defensive side of the ball. And basically, what you're able to do is you're able to uh, input your own scoring settings into you know all the the drop down boxes or or whatnot, and the uh, the table will you know update automatically based on whatever settings you just inputted and then you can look at and historically uh you know analyze all of the players who does well you know who does well in this format who doesn't do well in this format um and you know I have it you know points per carry points per pass attempt uh you know you can change the passing yards you can do return yardage uh you know if there's a a tight end premium on your in your league or anything like that. I will be adding first downs to this as well. Um, I have a bunch of first down data uh, all the way back to the year 2000, I believe. Um, so that will also be added for anybody who's trying to mimic the, the Scott Fish bull from last year. So I have that for the offensive side and for the defensive side, you know, you can, because defense's IDP scoring is like, so like scattered, there's no standard. So you can do, you know, input, however many points you get per tackle per sack per you know, interception, return yardages again. And I, I honestly, I just think that's a, a really cool feature. It's a really cool tool. And I've actually used it myself uh, in one of the leagues that I just joined this year. Uh, this, the league format is a QB boosted scoring. Uh, it's not super flex, but it's boosted. So th- I believe they gain a point per completion. Uh, not like a full point, but, you know, they get, you know, a percentage of a, of a point for completion. Um, so I was able to use that and analyze it. And basically what came out was that Matthew Stafford, uh, in uh, Drew Brees as well, but Matthew Stafford has been a really consistent and a very elite, uh, player, and, uh, in that format. And I, I knew that a lot of people didn't, especially in the league, uh, wouldn't look at this. And so I was able to actually grab Matthew Stafford, um, later than what he should have gone for a league like that. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm actually really excited because I feel like I got an elite quarterback, uh, by, by almost cheating, but it's not cheating, you know, because I'm just analyzing
1: the heck.
2: So that's one thing that I think a lot of people don't know that is in the, the website. And I think that a lot of people are, are going to be able to utilize. And I know, especially for IDP, uh, you can go in and, uh, analyze the player's production history. Uh, using whatever scoring formats that your leagues, uh, you know, score by. Uh, then the other thing, you know, we we touched on a lot of it today, uh, but the one thing I do want to mention is I will be adding a lot more to this over the summer. Um, I know all the weekly data, consistency data, and yearly data. Um, it's all based on PPR, but I will be adding uh, standard and half point uh, scoring as well, so you can see fantasy game logs in you know each of those different formats as well. Uh, or you know yearly ranks as well, and graph those out and everything like that. um I'm working on a start sit tool uh right now that I had in the the first and second rendition of the site, and I pulled it to work on it, make it a lot better, use a lot more data and uh a lot more of a i guess a filter on you know how you're how I can measure you know if a player should be started over another player by using his opponent or if he's home or away uh you know stuff like that, so a little tease there. Uh, for something that's gonna come uh eventually in the summer for the two thousand and eighteen season,
1: and I guess we'll we will definitely be on the lookout for that uh so to kind of wrap up the show, uh Addison again, thanks for coming on, man. I think you've definitely enlightened us, and uh now I don't hate statistics as much anymore <laughs> uh, so I do appreciate that and uh can you tell the folks like where they can find you at like either on Twitter or like other than the website?
2: yeah, yeah, so uh, you can find me. On Twitter, at AmazeHaze underscore, Uh, the YouTube for the YouTube videos, uh, I believe it's just FF Statistics. Um, But you can find that through my Twitter and everything like that as well, or on the site. Go subscribe, do all the YouTube stuff that, you know, you do. And that's, I think those are the two things that I do most. Check out the site, (laughs) FFStatistics.com.
1: Most definitely. And Adam, go ahead and let the folks know where they can find you at, man.
0: Yeah. Addison, you're the man. Thanks for coming on. And uh, I'll be using that site nonstop. So uh, remember, we're all about practical application. Also, Gabe, you're the man, FF man bun. He dropped bars in like a day and had our intro ready. So that's sick. Uh, you can find me at DHH underscore Adam uh, working on the Dynasty Owner's Manual. And also Saturday nights, check out the Dynasty pregame where some of the uh, Dynasty happy hour crew gets together and just talks Dynasty.
1: Awesome. yeah you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen ffwX and uh, you can check out some of my writing at four for four football so this was a fun episode gentlemen uh, definitely looking to converse with all you guys on Twitter here shortly so for everybody else thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next week maybe
0: you've, played, maybe you've made a and these fish are on I mean won three ships they wish they had yours so this is it you wanna learn the game 101 pick when it hits you feel no pain praying for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it, it, it's automatic dynasty it, it, it's automatic owner's manual it, it, it's automatic
1: Dynasty.